Well, as you know, we've been working through the Psalms this, this um, summer, and I'm excited to be able to continue in the Psalms this morning. We're going to be looking at Psalms 128 today. 128. And if you would please stand as we read God's word this morning. A song of ascent. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Let us pray. Father, I thank you again for an opportunity to open your word. We pray that you would help us to hear the things in which we need to hear today. I pray that as I speak that you would help me speak clearly that others will understand the truth of your word. May you continue to challenge us in our thinking that we would be more like your son. May we understand the truth of your word and how you have active, you've actively laid it out to help us be the people you've called us to be. May we be faithful to you in all that we do. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Charles Spurgeon described this psalm as a family hymn, a song for marriage or birth, or for a day in which a happy household has met to praise the Lord. Like all the songs of decrees, it has an eye to, to Zion and Jerusalem, which are both extremely mentioned and is close, and it closes with an allusion to Israel. Alexander McLaren wrote in his commentary, no purer, fairer idea was ever penned than this miniature picture of a happy home but its calm, simple beauty has deep foundations. The poet sets forth the basis for all noble, as of all tranquil life, uh, life when he begins with the fear of Jehovah, and thence advances to a practical conformity with his will, manifested by walking in the paths which he traces for men. Thence, the transition is easy to the mention of diligent labor, as the singer is sure that such toil done in such, uh, such principles from which the motives cannot be unblessed. Outwardly, prosperity does not follow good men's work so surely as the letter of this psalm teaches. But the best fruits 
of such work is not those which can be stored in barns or enjoined by senses. All the laborer who does his work heartily as to the Lord will certainly reap a harvest in character and power and communion with God. Whatever trans transitory gain may be attained is attained or missed. In a little book called Married for Life, Eldon and Jenny Phillips say this, a couple who has been married for 50 years, they are a couple who have been married for 50 years or more. They say you can only get out of marriage and life what you put into it. They go on to say a young entrepreneur starts with an idea of a, a unique new product. He's clear, he carefully plays, lays out plans for the startup business, calculating revenue and expenses. He meets with his counsel, uh, counselors, accountants, and lawyers. He works hard to sell the concept to banks and the investors as he tries to raise capital. In time, he leases space, purchases equipment, and hires employees. Finally, he is ready to begin. He works hard, pouring, in, pouring himself into the business, determined to make it a success, and it thrives. But does he now sit back and relax and enjoy the fruit of his labor? No. He works even harder than ever, understanding that he has to come up with new ideas and he wants to um, better his customer relationship. He wants to continue to bolster his profits. I believe as we look at this psalm, we must have the same determination as Eldon and Jenny spoke of. They spoke of starting a business. But I believe we as husbands and wives must have that same determination as we work on our relationship and as we strive to be the people God has turned, determined us to be. My proposition for this is true blessing comes to those who strive to fear the Lord at all times. My first point is this, those who fear the Lord will be blessed. In our Psalm it says, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walk in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed and it shall be well with you. What does it mean to fear the Lord? What does that look like? Is it a fear that makes us run and hide from him? This is a fear of reverence. As you understand that God is holy, majestic, and he is all-powerful. 
in Psalms 8.1. It says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. It is in this God we are to fear and reverence. It is in this reverence that brings us the blessing. The psalmist said, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walk in his ways. This is a blessing for anyone and everyone who fears the Lord. See, we must understand this is a way of life. It is a lifestyle. It is living a life with the determination that you want to live according to God's statutes and his law, and not your own. In Psalms 103, verses 17 and 18, David said, But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting, and those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children and to those who keep his his, uh, covenant and remember to do his commandments. You might be wondering, what are his ways and what are his commandments? This is a good question to be asked. And you find that answer in Exodus 20. When God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, he gave them instructions how they were to live. He understood that they would encounter many other nations and other peoples. And this would set them apart from those other nations. The first 11 verses in chapter 20 were instructions how they were to live in their relationship between them and their God. Verses 12 through 17 are instructions on how they were to have a relationship with fellow man. Although they are broken up into two parts, they are all, let me say again, they are all a reflection of their relationship with God and how they are to reverence him. When the psalmist says, you will live this way, you will eat the fruit of your labor and be blessed. And he said, it will go well with you. When you think of labor, what comes to mind? It is not the person sitting on his couch with a cold drink in his hands, clicking the TV remote hour after hour as he sits in front of the television. I'm reminded of a story I heard of a person who was getting ready to retire, and they were planning what they would do in their retirement. Their ambition was to spend their days strolling along the beaches, collecting seashells. You see, this is labor with a very shallow motivation. When you think of labor, you think of who is, who, you think of one who is applying himself to a worthwhile task, and they are using much energy. 
They're using physical energy as well as mental energy for a purpose. In order for you and I to walk in this way, it must be labor in which we are willing to fight the tide of this world in which we live in. The Apostle Paul, I'm sorry, the Apostle John tells us that we must not love this world or the things in it. We see that in 1 John 2, verses 15 through 17, as he says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eye and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. When we love this world, it shows us and others, we do not fear God or walk in his ways, but we love this world more than our God. When we fight this fight, the psalmist says, we will be blessed and it will be well with us. This blessing is not that your bank account will be overflowing or that you will be well and healthy. You see, this blessing is rooted in a right relationship with the God and it is rooted in his son, Jesus Christ. It is because of the work of Christ that we can understand that it can be well with us. You see, because of sin, we are not in the fellowship with God, but we are his enemies. Paul reminds us of our condition in Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 3. He says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in whence you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. You see, when we understand this truth, we understand this is a universal condition for all of us. Because in Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This pertains to all of us. Yes, you might be a nice person, but yet we are all sinful and we need someone to make a difference in our lives. And as we go back to Ephesians, something tremendous happens in verse 4 that had nothing to do with you or I. Someone else 
made the difference. And that starts in verse 4. It says, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when, when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Jesus Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It is because of what Christ has done on our, our behalf that it is well with us in this life as well as the life to come. My second point is our home will be blessed. The psalmist gives a picture of what a blessing looks like in a home. He says, your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. He says your wife will be like a fruitful vine in your house. You might be asking the question, men, what is the benefit of having a wife? Why do I need one? I believe many single individuals may be thinking, men may be thinking this very thing. In fact, many young ladies might also be pushing back from the idea of marriage altogether. But we see in Genesis 2, 18, God saw that the first man needed a helper. He needed a wife. It says in verse 18, Then the Lord said, and the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper for him. The very first man on the planet was without sin. In fact, he was perfect. Yet God said, it was not good for him to be alone. Adam himself did not understand that he needed a helper, not until he had to name all the animals. Then Adam understood, as verse 20 said, there was not a helper fit for him. Although he was very efficient in his task, he saw that there was something missing, a helper. What does a helper do? 
A helper helps carry the load. They also help you see your inadequacies and your deficiencies. Now, granted, we might like to think I have no inadequacies and I have no deficiencies, but that is not true. So men, I would ask you, do you see your deficiencies? And ladies, do you understand your role as a helper? Just as a wife is called to be a helper, a helper was also the name given to the Holy Spirit. In fact, you would probably remember Jesus saying, I will ask the Father and he will give you a, another helper to be with you forever. Likewise, in John 14, verses 26, he says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all the things that brings you remembrance, all that I have said to you. Jesus said, The Father will send a Helper who will be with you forever. What an encouragement that is that we understand as husband and wife that we need this helper. We cannot do what we are called to do without the helper's help. In fact, you cannot walk this Christian life without the help of the Holy Spirit. But what does Scripture say about finding a wife. Psalms 18.22 says, He who finds a good wife obtains favor from the Lord. Proverbs 12.4a says, An excellent wife is the crown of her husband. Proverbs 19.14 says, House and wealth are inherited from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. You might be asking, what is a prudent wife? A prudent wife is marked with wisdom. She is shrewd in the management of her home and its affairs. Her purpose is to care for her home and her husband. But we do understand that not all wives are this way. Proverbs 12, 4b says, but she who brings shame is like rottenness to his bones of her husband. Proverbs 21, 9 and 25, 24, both say the same thing. It says, it is better to live on a corner of a housetop than in a house with a quarrelsome wife. Proverbs 14.1 tells us, the wisest of women builds her house, but folly will fall her on uh, her, will folly will, 
but folly with her own hands tear it down. We see from these passages that a wife can build up her home or tear it down. As I was studying this and preparing, I asked myself the question, could some of the problems in the home be from the husband? Who has neglected his responsibility and his role to care for and to love his wife? As a husband, could he be following Christ as he should, or is he not following Christ as he should? Is he loving his wife in the manner of which his desire is to please his heavenly Father? I have heard that character is extremely important in marriage, and I believe it to be true. You see, it is the character of the husband that lays the foundation for the marriage. You see, I believe that we, as husbands, play a role when it comes to our wives being fruitful or unfruitful. We are called to be the head, the leaders in our home, and we play a role in that. The psalmist says, Within your home, your wife will be a fruitful vine. What does that look like? Proverbs 31, verses 10 through 12 tells us, An excellent wife, who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm. Dropping down to verses 26 and 28, she opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She lacks, she looks well at the ways of her house and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. You see, this is a picture of a fruitful wife. Our passage likewise says, your children will be like olive shoots around your table. In much of our society today, Children has, has become a disruption of one's ambitions and one's desires. We have come a world that will abort children just because we don't want the responsibility. We don't want the burden. We don't want them to keep us from the things in which we want to do. There has been over 65 million abortions in the U.S. alone. 
we have forgotten God's word as it says that children are an inheritance from the Lord, the fruit of the womb. And yet, we have many today who would love to have children and who, for whatever reason, God has not allowed it to happen. And they carry this disappointment as a couple, as they desperately would love to have children. Children are a blessing, as the psalmist points out in our passage, to the one who fears the Lord. Two times in this psalms lets us see what it looks like to fear the Lord and its blessings. In the first half, it was everyone who feared the Lord was blessed. In the second half, it was the man who was it was the man whose wife was fruitful, who had many children around his table, who are reproducing what they had learned in the home. This is what true blessing looks like to those who fear the Lord and who walk in his ways. In this psalm, you see a much different picture what it means to be blessed. It does not speak of financial gain or physical health or your well-being. It does give you the idea of working hard has its benefits. Not only that you will be able to enjoy those benefits outside the home, but inside as well. You see, a person who fears the Lord understands that it encompasses every aspect of their lives. We must understand there is much to lose if we do not keep this balance of work and home. Too often, we can spend much of our time and energy on getting ahead, working long hours, forgetting the most important things are our wives and our children at home. For those of us living in California in the Bay Area, we understand this struggle as it cost, cost a lot to live here. We understand that. But could we be striving for what is not as important and lose what is most important? I'd like to go back to the words of Eldon and Jenny Phillips. They go on to say, if a marriage is to last a lifetime, it requires the same level of devotion and energy. Both partners must give 100%. Each must be available to the other when needed. Fully present, ready to listen, to talk, to act. Both spouses must pour their hearts and their souls into this enterprise, making whatever sacrifices 
is to ensure success. Yet, what an investment. The payoff is rich, healthy, a loving relationship that is tested and lasts. And everyone involved reaps countless rewards. You see, to have this kind of blessing in your home requires work and devotion on the part of the husband as well as the wife. In this psalm, we see that the person is blessed if they fear the Lord. His wife is fruitful. He has children around his table. This is what the psalmist said is a blessed man. I also believe, although a couple may not have any children of their own, does not mean that a wife is not fruitful. Both husband and wife can be a help and an encouragement to children who are not their own and able to speak into their lives as they come alongside and to support the parents. Lauren, my wife, grandmother, and grandparents were a great help to us as a young couple. They would encourage us by asking us to bring the boys by so we can spend time together, so we can get away together. They also helped in potty training both of our boys, and this too was a great help. When we began doing our couples classes, we did not have the room to house the couples that we were hosting. But my mother was willing to open up her home that we can have our couples classes. Every two weeks, she would open her home that we can encourage the other couples. She would then watch our kids as well as the other couple's kids. It was a great encouragement to us and to others. Have you considered how can you be an encouragement to others? You see, this psalm is divided into three parts. It pertains to blessings. We have looked at the first two as it pertains to everyone who fears the Lord is blessed. In the second, it pertains to the home and everyone in the home who fears the Lord. Let us now look at the third part. The nation will be blessed. As we look at the two remaining verses, I want you to see the national blessing spoken by the psalmist. It says, The Lord bless you from Zion, May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. The word Zion is first mentioned in two references, both of them speaking of the very same thing. 
That is found in 2 Samuel 5, verses 6 through 10, as well as 1 Chronicles 11, 4 through 9. It speaks of the Jebusites as they taunted David. At this time, the Jebusites were in control of Jerusalem. It was called the stronghold of Zion. And they taunted David saying, you will never be able to take this stronghold. And if you remember our time working through 2 Samuel, David did take the stronghold of Zion. Many of the psalmists also use this word to refer to the temple that was Solomon's that was in Jerusalem. The word Zion also would include the whole nation of Israel. But the most common use for the word Zion spoke of the city of God in the new age. In Isaiah 28, 16, the Lord says, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am the one who has laid a foundation in Zion, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste. Likewise, in Isaiah 33, 5, the Lord is exalted, for he dwells on high. He will fill Zion with justice and righteousness. Zion, the word, was also used to refer to the heavenly Jerusalem. Hebrews 12, 22 tells us, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festive gathering. You see, this is the Zion that is yet to come, and we look forward to this new Jerusalem. As you remember, when Jesus was here, he said in John 14, 1 through 3, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have not told you that I go prepare a place for you? And if you go, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that you will be with me also. If I were to ask you today, are you looking forward to this new Jerusalem? Do you want to go there? As I get older and older, the desire to go home is definitely there. To no longer fight with sin. To rest in his presence. The other blessing that the psalmer speaks of is that you will see your children's children. The sad truth today is that many parents 
may never see grandkids as their children put off having children altogether or getting married until they can afford it. They want their house first. They want financial stability first. They want money in the bank first. As a grandparent myself, I can tell you it is a great blessing to see my grandkids. When I was raising my boys, it's much different when you are the parent. You understand that the weight of responsibility is all on you to care for them, to shepherd them, to instruct them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. It falls solely on the parent. But as a grandparent, I am in a supportive role. I don't carry the full weight. I am here to come along my sons and my daughter-in-laws to encourage them and to help them shepherd their children. We do understand that sometimes grandparents do not play a supportive role, but they have the full weight of responsibility to raise and to carry their children's children and provide financial as well as spiritual guidance. And that brings a great weight of responsibility to many of them. But many of them will do that out of love for their children as well as their grandchildren. The psalmist ends this psalm with peace upon Israel. As you look at the history of Israel, peace has been hard to come by. There have been very short seasons of peace in their history. See, I believe if a people or a nation would fear God and live according to his ways, there will be peace. It does not mean that there will not be conflict or torment, but they will have an assurance of the one who is in control. You remember the words of Jesus in John 14, 27, as he was getting ready to leave this earth, he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Having a home that reaps countless rewards starts with a healthy fear of the Lord. It is important for you and I to understand that it starts there and it ends there as we walk in his ways. It requires a fortitude on our part of both the husband and the wife who fear the Lord as well as you who may be single. 
True happiness, true blessings starts with the fear of the Lord. I have just a few closing thoughts for you this morning. How are you doing when it comes to fearing the Lord and walking according to his law? Have you bought into this into the ideas of this world, a world in which has no fear of the Lord whatsoever? Have you bought into that? What are the things you need to change in your own life so you can be more consistent in your walk with him? Does your life need to be restructured where you focus more on your relationship with Christ than other things? In what ways have you misinterpreted what blessings look like? Have you been chasing the temporal things in this life to lose what is most important, your wife and your children? Just this week, I heard of a family who was willing to travel four hours a day for work just to own a home. I would ask the question, is that worth it? My last point. Have you pushed back from the biblical role of being a husband and a father or a wife and a mother? What is keeping you from following God's plan for your life? as it pertains to marriage. Better yet, the question is, are you walking in a manner of which someone would even desire you to be a spouse? It is one thing to say, oh, I want to be married, but are you married material? Would someone want to spend the rest of their life with you? Can they see the evidence that you fear God, that you walk according to his statutes, that your desire is to follow him? Yes, I can concur. It is great to be married. I am so pleased to be married, and I know many of you in here would likewise say how great it is to be married. But those of you who are not, would someone want to marry you? Does your character speak of someone who will lead, who will guide, who would love, who would cherish someone else?
Father, I thank you again for an opportunity to share the truth of your word. I pray that you would help each of us hear that in which we need to hear today, that we would live according to your truth, that we would fear you, and that we would understand where true blessings come from, and that we would strive for that truth, that we would look at our own hearts and understand and ask ourselves the questions, do I truly fear the Lord? Do I truly live according to his truth and his commandments? Do I follow his statutes? For those who do not know you, I pray that you would draw them to yourself, that you would soften their hearts, that you would Help them to see where they are lacking. That they would say yes to you. That they would live according to this truth. That they would understand that searching after the world and the things of this world is not what true blessing looks like. But true blessing starts with the fear of you and desiring to live for you with all costs. May we be faithful to you in all that we do. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.